0: Bam bam bam, bam, bum, bam, 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 Come help bam, yourself Bam bum, bum, bam,
1: bam, bam, Welcome back, everybody. We are go help yourself a comedy self help podcast <laughs> to suck less, and we are coming at you virtually as we always have, but now even more virtually because <laughs> um, I'm staring at Misty across the computer screen, and she's sitting in her closet. She's trapped in It's the so
0: dark. The- I'm stuck in the closet, never coming out of the closet. I live now
1: in this closet. I have become the closet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This was a great episode. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining. Um, And I am sitting in my kitchen uh, on my dining room table, which is full of like water painting starting and like some sketching starting that's never being finished and all my yarn collected together. And... um, Trying to buffer my old Mac that turns seven this year, seven. Oh um, man, yeah. Uh, trying to make her make less sound as she just constantly runs her fan to mm. run by covering her up with blankets, which makes her hotter, which makes her fan run more. So it's just a lovely whirlwind. But virtually, I'm seeing Misty Stinnett, whose half of her face is covered up Thank by you. her amazing microphone. I can't see myself. It's covered up, but I am Lisa Linky, and we are here to bring you a review of a popular self help book in under an hour so that you can know whether or not it's garbage for you or it's something you might like to buy and support the author. Either way, we're going to give you the tips, the tricks, the highs, the lows. We're going to tell you what's happening with this book, and you'll know at the next um, time you have a Zoom cocktail hour, you will know. A, a little ditty you can drop, as a matter of fact, what we I learned in this book. I don't know if you knew book. this, but if you've read this uh-huh. book by this author, That's right. I don't and know. Because, and we if just you're joining us you- for the first time, welcome. Yeah,
0: and listen, if you can't be condescending while in quarantine, when can you?
1: I'm always condescending. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and if you're also joining us for the first time, Misty is um, a wonderful, welcoming person of advice who will find what works for her. And I am mm-hmm. too Midwestern for anyone to tell me what to do. And I immediately hate self-help as a genre. So yeah. we come at this with a, a open and qu- inquisitive and side eye. Um, and we're here, we're here for it. Did I we're hit here everybody? for it, and... I think you did. I think in the beginning
0: you said this is a, a comedy self-help podcast to suck less. And I agree, it could suck less. But our goal is to make did life I? suck less. <laughs> who, who can know? Oh,
1: I'm sorry we can only. I, I
0: No, don't. Because it's true. Like, I want to suck less. Well, also, That's I just need I to say, the podcast. pandemic
1: brain is real. It's trauma brain. It's and, and I can't, I can't. My brain is yeah, saying bye-bye. And, bye.
0: and speaking of which, you know, Lisa and I, for the first I don't know, 129 episodes (laughs) recorded in a beautiful studio called Fairfax Village Studios in Los Angeles. Um, And then obviously with all the social distancing that has happened with coronavirus. And I don't know when you're listening to this episode. You could be listening the day it comes out. You could be listening 10 years into the future and Lisa and I are millionaires with the self-help. We're like the new hot self-help gurus. yes. Um, But regardless you know we have had to move to to remote recording the sound quality is not what it usually is but it's yeah. important to us that we get to bring you content still and then the other thing that i think is worth mentioning is uh so right now it's april 11th yeah and this episode's not going to come out until sometime in may because you know there's a long post Production process, and because there's, we read books each time. We need a, a buffer of episodes, yeah. and we don't normally talk about this, but I think it's important to say because it might, it might be jarring to hear some of our reactions, you know, early reactions to what's been happening with the pandemic when the episode then airs a month later and the world looks yeah. really different and a lot more serious. Yeah, the episode so that just then. came out on
1: Friday, uh, we ta- we mentioned Corona for the first time.
0: Yeah, and it's been a month into self-isolating and stay-at-home in Los Angeles that it's coming out. So just felt like something we want to toss out there and address. But that being said, I think we're all being extra reflective of our lives and our values and and reevaluating things. And so welcome to the perfect podcast to get you through those crazy thoughts in a funny way. So I have a doozy of a book (laughs) (laughs) Ready? I'm ready. Five five minute intro. You're welcome. We're diving in. So this book that I'm about to bring you, remember it is April 11th. Yes. This book was released on March 26th of this year. (gasps) So we are covering it within 15 days of it coming out, which of course is around. By
1: the time this episode airs, it will have been out for months. (laughs) Yeah. But also I just want to say like this poor person does not get to go on their book tour. Who is this author? Tell tell me, what is this book? Oh, bitch. Oh, we swear. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Lisa, today I bring you Love Is Not Enough by Mark Manson.
1: Oh, Mark Manson. Not of Charles Manson, but of... Uh, uh, the the magical, life-changing magic the of not giving a subtle, fuck.
0: Nope. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Moving on. Love is not enough. I'll get there. Love is not enough is <laughs> currently the number one bestseller in parenting and relationship advice on amazon.com. Uh, Mark you is because a
1: lot of people are isolating at home and they're like, I love my kids, but it is not enough. <laughs> that it's not love is not enough to get us <laughs> You
0: may recognize Mark's name as the best selling author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which yeah, that's we what actually covered, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 100% accurate, <laughs> all the way through, which we covered on our very first episode back when we were wee little babies. Wee babies. I tiny think we, we recorded our first episode like 18 months ago, which is crazy. So I'm going to list out the current prices of the book. So as far okay. as the hardcover and the paperback and the Kindle go, yes.
1: there are none, baby. It's an Audible only. It's an Audible oh, original. Well, they may have yep. made a good choice for this at this time.
0: At this time, it is twenty dollars and ninety-seven cents, or one credit on Audible, which is roughly about fifteen dollars. Yeah. And Mark himself, quote unquote, reads the book, and what I, I that put quote that mean? So it it really feels more like a podcast than a book. And hey. as a matter of fact, the first question I asked myself was why this format? Why not a podcast? Because it's literally just conversations with people about relationships and love with Mark's like takes and coaching and interstitials in between. And it's sound designed like a podcast and it easily could have been like, it's got seven chapters, which I'll walk you through, but it could have been a seven part podcast series. So I don't really Yes! Right. And it's easier to be like, here's an audio book from a best-selling author, right? I mean, I, w- I yeah. was like, oh, Mark Manson book, and downloaded it and was like, oh. Um, <laughs> right? And something I found interesting is that his words to me, like if you read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, the yeah. words are... Very powerful and potent on the page uh, was Mm -hmm. my experience reading them. But when I hear his words said in his own voice, Uh -uh. he has this really pleasant sounding, like
1: placating voice. And they didn't come out as harshly from his mouth as they did on the page. What I'm hearing from you is that reading somebody saying, We're all gonna die someday. So it doesn't, so decide what you wanna worry about is different than. We're all going to die someday. Like, he's like, we're all going to die
0: someday, you know? And then sort of giggles. And it's like, oh, okay. That's a
1: different experience.
0: <laughs> so, so for example, he has a blog post about how love is not enough. And I read it this morning after reading the book and was like, oh, my God. This is so much more resonant and powerful mm-hmm. than hearing him talk about it, which was really interesting. Um, okay. Okay. So a little bit about the author for those of you who are new. Do you remember, Lisa, how when we first covered the subtle art of not giving a fuck, I couldn't really get a, a good yes. understanding of Mark's credentials or his background? I do. Well, baby, he explains them in his own words here. Maybe here he we heard go. Our podcast. That's a hundred percent it. And as a matter of fact, he's on the phone now. Mark, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. <laughs>
1: Ah, can you imagine? <laughs> I should have okay. worn a bra. No, <laughs> no,
0: nope, nope, I don't even think so. I'm in so many sweatpants, all the sweatpants I own I'm wearing okay. right now. Okay, so he says, quote, my name, my name is Mark Manson. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. <laughs> I know, I love it. Most people don't know this about me, but before Subtle Art took off and I became a huge fancy author, I primarily gave relationship advice. 12 years, a- <laughs> Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. ready just giggles. <laughs> Twelve years ago, I started a blog. It was a blog about my own dating life. I didn't expect anyone other than my guy friends to read it. I just wanted a place where I could write out some of my own confused experiences and figure out what the hell I was doing wrong. To my surprise, other young men started following along and reaching out to me. As it turned out, they had similar issues and insecurities as I did. They asked questions, and Mm -hmm. being a good little blogger, I went in search for answers. Those answers brought more readers and more questions, which brought more answers and more readers and so on. Fast forward seven years, and I was making a full-time living writing relationship advice to millions of readers across the world. It was like I was the millennial dear Abby who happened to say fuck a lot. He goes on to say, before he Mm -hmm. dives into the book, I am not a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Thank you. you. He says, hell, I hardly hardly have my own shit together sometimes, but my job as a coach or mentor or whatever you want to call me is to help each person look past their particular delusions about love and get back to what will make each of them an emotionally healthy individual. Think Uh of me as... Think of me as the perennial best friend in a bar who grabs you by the shoulder and tells you to get your shit together and move on with your life.
1: Yeah, but also that best friend is like an alcoholic, maybe not even a functioning alcoholic, <laughs> and like has has two girlfriends on the side and has a terrible relationship with his parents. So like, why do I trust you? So it's, honestly, it is it is a lack
0: of, it's a lack of true qualification packaged in a really fun way right just think of me of your best friend like no bullshit no nonsense and that being said I come into this as a Mark Manson fan I really enjoyed the subtle art of not giving a fuck I like his mm-hmm. blog mm-hmm. you know we had a reader write to us and say that that she had a, had read some things that were pretty misogynistic from him yeah. early on it was not um, in the and-
1: current editions of the book
0: Right, right, and I think in his blog as well. And you know, people people grow and change. And he's been doing this for twelve years. I'm sure he's different. As he's super young, I think he's like under thirty five, and he's definitely changed from twenty to thirty five. And I, I did find the book to be intersectional and inclusive and those sorts okay. of things. But uh, let's call this what it is. He is patently kind of un unqualified on a professional level to give this advice. He's popular, right? He's very popular.
1: Which to be fair is not new to the self-help genre.
0: No, it's not. It's not at all. We've seen we we've seen, you know, Stasi Schroeder has a self-help book. And she I mean, was Jen Sincero. The, Jen Sincero has a self-help book. So yeah. So um that is something that felt really important to say up front. So okay. here's here's a little tease about the book from Amazon.com. Tease me. Best-selling author Mark Manson brings his signature no-nonsense wisdom back to the subject he started his career covering, relationships. Oh, there we go. Oh, same thing, same difference. Being with your partner may feel like rainbows and unicorns, but that doesn't mean you have a healthy, functioning relationship. Sure, we all need love, but love is not enough in love is not enough mark's first audible original you'll follow five real people over the course of six months as they navigate fucked up romantic situations (laughs) ranging from dating (laughs) oh
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay,
0: sorry, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. That's okay. Ranging from dating app addiction to marital affairs to absurd fantasies. At regular intervals, they'll check in with Mark, share their stories, and soak up some advice. As you listen to these candid, funny, and moving conversations, you'll learn how to stand up for yourself when you feel the most vulnerable. You'll learn how our imaginations derail intimacy, how our deepest desires can lead us into trouble, You're You'll learn how to open yourself up and you'll develop the courage to say and hear the necessary word, no.
1: Okay. You'll learn
0: how to love and you'll learn that
1: love is not is enough. not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's so, how I'm going to read every ad that we don't. have please once don't. we get ads. Thank you. But um, okay. here's my question is, yeah. I got to adjust my mic for a second. Um, there. Here's my question is, do you feel that, he, when I heard that, I said, "Oh, I understand exactly why it's an audible only. Why is it not a podcast? Because he wants to make money." Yeah. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> but, but I mean, co- like, covered, why it's not covered. A, why it's not like a bu- in like a paperback or a hardback? Yes. yes like, yeah.
0: Correct. It may because I want to hear it,
1: those those voices yeah. of those people.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, and it, okay. it feels like it's sort of capitalizing on the trend of like Esther Perel. Um, has a I'm blanking on the name right now, but she has a podcast. Oh, I think it's called Where Do We Begin, okay. where you listen in on therapy sessions, like actual oh, yeah. real people therapy sessions that she has, and then like uh, there's another therapist that does that. You know, it's there's this trend of like, hey, peek inside these these windows, and it 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 felt just like that. Oh, so uh, the the uh, I don't even know why we describe covers on this podcast. This is a an audio medium, but we'll do it. It's a bright aqua background with like a drippy red heart that says "Love is not enough" in all caps. And there's no byline, there's no subtitle. Like it's just "Love is not enough." The end.
1: And it's it's the <laughs> love end. is not enough. So why even bother trying? Is yeah, the sub that I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch? It's,
0: it is seven hours and thirty three minutes. Ooh, so that's it's a, a
1: pretty- walk in the park for you.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty easy read. It is no three hour uh, make your bed, you know, but that's okay. It's also okay, no 13
1: so, hour seven
0: habits. Yeah. So there are seven chapters. Yeah, oh, God, Great. oh god. And also Can't Hurt Me was like 15 hours. It was too much. <laughs> that was also like a podcast meets book thing. Um so, so there are seven there are seven chapters. The yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy of pain. Sure. Bound boundaries. Sure. Power struggles. Yes. Choosing reality over fantasy. I do. Vulner- <laughs> there you go. Vulnerability. No. The courage to be loved. And simple okay. but difficult.
1: Okay. So Simple but difficult. The Lisa Linkey story.
0: Thank you. Um, so here's his introduction to the book. Okay. In 1967, John Lennon wrote a song called All You Need Is Love. Ooh. He also... He also beat both of his wives, abandoned one of his children, verbally abused his gay Jewish manager with homophobic and anti-Semitic slurs, and once had a camera crew film him lying naked in his bed for an entire day.
1: Okay, he puts him out on Front Street. He, he starts off with a
0: bang. 35 years later, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails wrote a song called Love Is Not Enough. Reznor, despite being famous for his shocking stage performances and his grotesque and disturbing videos, got clean from all drugs and alcohol, married one woman, had two children with her, and then canceled entire albums and tours so that he could stay home and be a good husband and father. One of these two men had a clear and realistic understanding of love one of them did not. One of these men idealized love as the solution to all of his problems, one of them did not. One of these men was probably a narcissistic asshole, one of them was not. In our culture, many of us idealize love. We see it as some lofty cure-all for all of life's problems. Our movies and our stories and our history all celebrate it as life's ultimate goal, the final solution for all of our pain and struggle. And because we idealize love, we overestimate it. As a result, our relationships pay a price. When we believe that all we need is love, then, like Lenin, we're more likely to ignore fundamental values such as respect, humility, and commitment towards the people we care about. After all, if love solves everything, then why bother bother with all the other stuff, all the hard stuff? But if, like Reznor, we believe that love is not enough— then we understand that healthy relationships require more than pure emotion or lofty passions. We understand that there are things more important in our lives and our relationships than simply being in love, and the success of our relationships hinges on these deeper and more important values. Yep.
1: Lisa's raising her hand. hand. Yes, Lisa. Lisa L. mm -hmm. (laughs) One of those people wanted to fuck their partner like an animal. John
0: Lennon? No. <laughs> was it? Oh, John not in Nails. Damn it. What a good joke. Fuck. Fuck. I fucked it up so bad. No, I oh, think you made oh, it better. I like think you an made animal. it way better. I was like, what? Oh my God. I'm I I way not in comedy mode right now. Oh, okay. God, I, I love it. Can we all give props to Lisa for the beautiful setup and just move right past my flub? <laughs> okay,
1: I think you go. made it better. You made my joke better. It was the only <laughs> response you could have. Now we're John all picturing like John Lennon fucking Yoko Ono like an animal.
0: I really like that song. I, wanna I remember the first time I heard it on the radio and they
1: bleeped out, obviously, the F word. And I was just like flabbergasted because I was just yeah. like... W- 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 I'd never, you know, I'd never heard a bleep out on the radio and also of an F word. And it was so clearly. And also it's like the one part of the, like, it's like the one
0: lyric in the song. (laughs) There's not many lyrics. 18,000 times. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So... Uh, here is how he set up this whole framework. So he was trying to find stories that would highlight universal, like a universal framework for common relationship problems and traps that we get sure. into. Sure. So in March of 2018, he put out a call to readers to see who would be interested in tackling relationship problems with him for coaching sessions every six or so weeks over the course of four to six months. More than 500 people applied, and then his he and his producer whittled that list down to 40. And then after phone interviews, use Mark chose 12 people to work with and did so. Um and this group varied in age, gender, ethnicity, and sexual orientation. And of those 12, five people stories have been included in the book.
1: And they got therapy for free. Excuse it's me. Not therapy, not therapy. It's not they therapy. They got coaching, coaching for free.
0: Yeah. Coaching for free. And also like the other thing is like going into it, I was like, okay, so did you just use your most successful stories in the book? Like is this an accurate representation of the process? Who can know? So who I'm just going to take you to the main concept of each chapter because I, I feel yes. like that is helpful. Uh, so chapter one, the self-fulfilling prophecy of pain. Yeah. So so we meet two people in this chapter. One is Mimi, who finally has her life together after some toxic relationships and drug and alcohol abuse. She's a teacher in New York City.
1: These but are not can't. their real
0: names. I don't know. They just use first names. They they do rename exes and people they talk about, but I don't know. He doesn't say. Okay. Um, but she, she can't seem to get close to anyone she's dating. And she's had a really long dry spell. And she goes on lots of dates and has these great intellectual conversations, but she's not able to, like, truly show her emotions. And then we also I, meet— It's me. I'm Mimi. Yeah. I knew I recognized that voice. So— then there's Jerry, who is fresh out of second marriage. His first marriage lasted seven years, and his second marriage lasted twenty. And he's in his fifties, and he's seeing someone new, and is terrified. Uh, they live in the same apartment building, and her lease is going to be up soon. And he's terrified that she's going to want to move in with her uh, to move in with him when her lease is up, and then they'll get married, and he'll lose half of his stuff for a, for a third time. It's me. Um, I'm Jerry. Right. So we meet them, and he kind of frames up this problem. I knew I recognized that voice. So I'm going to sum up this chapter and concept super quickly with this quote he has at the end of the chapter. (laughs) Quote, pain can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, the more pain we experience, the more we distrust others and protect ourselves. But the more we protect ourselves, the har- harder it is to experience intimacy with somebody new, leaving us to only be attracted to those who are most likely to hurt us.
1: Okay, right.
0: I mean, how like, did Jerry I get- and
1: Mimi take that?
0: Oh, well, they're woven throughout the Got book. It. And he gives homework assignments and like coaching assignments, so we'll learn. Um, but uh, you know, that resonated with me because I definitely go into a lot of new situations with like friends or even coworkers or whatever with my guard up. And it definitely, while it feels like it's protecting me, it doesn't allow me to get super close to anyone very
1: quickly, right? Well, I will remind us that Brene Brown said that vulnerability is earned. It's not to be yes. given freely immediately. So Uh I understand what he's saying. And also, there's a reason that emotional experiences are painful. It's because we don't want to repeat them.
0: Yeah, exactly. So all he's saying here is like, pain can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, especially if you're not aware of it, right? So he's just sort of posing a concept so far.
1: Great. great.
0: Chapter 2, but I I mean I I agree. You have it's it's an interesting balance constantly between how do I stay vulnerable, but how do I make sure that I am in a safe situation to be vulnerable? Well, and you do need to make sure you're in a safe situation. Yes,
1: this is where his lack of any kind of training and certification as a therapist really shows because somebody who grew in an abuse, grew up in an abusive household, or escaped an abusive relationship would yeah. hear this and not know how to reconcile their very natural and I would say necessary boundaries and yeah. armor that they have when yeah. they think about entering a new relationship.
0: Exactly, and this is not the most glaring point of when his lack of training
1: shows. Oh, we'll also okay, answer. embracing myself. So.
0: So, I mean, but but as we go, you will see that, like, I definitely saw a lot of my own experiences and the experiences of his reader. And some of the things he said did really resonate as true in okay. those ways. Um, but, okay. it, it, you know, it was an interesting book to read in that way. So,
1: it was <laughs> an number interesting two,
0: book. Okay. Ca- chapter two, Boundaries. So here is where we meet this woman, Vanessa. She's been in an affair with a guy for a long time. She left her husband. He did not leave his wife. They're still seeing each other. And she finds herself unable to set boundaries. Okay. Um, Because he always wants to know like where she is and what she's doing and all about her day. But he doesn't share those things with her. And she's just in his beck and call because she can't call him. Those sorts of things. So Mark says, this is what he has to say about boundaries. This is the big takeaway. When people hurt us, when people impede on our lives and demand control of our emotions and attention, we lose our sense of self. We lose the ability to stand up for ourselves because it becomes unclear where we end and our partner begins. We become fearful of demanding respect for ourselves because it could potentially cause us even more pain. We surrender our own will and desires. We dedicate our energy to placating and pleasing others when they have no right. And after enough time, this begins to feel normal. So the question is, how do you get over this? How do you move past your prior pain and create something healthy and fun and sexy and sustainable in the present? We tend to imagine the solution to our relationship problems as being this big dramatic moment where the clouds part and the angels sing and rainbows shoot out of our partner's ass and all is right with the world. But real change is far more subtle and powerful and it begins with boundaries. So that's really the big takeaway. And of course, boundaries are saying like, don't treat me like that. You can't treat me like that. Or I'm not comfortable with this. Or here's what I need. Here's what I don't need. You know, those are some examples of boundaries. Um, Okay. So that's the takeaway. Chapter three, power struggles. He's He says that in toxic, codependent relationships, you depend on the other person to validate you and your actions and to feel loved. But the problem is that you can't control other people. So in this narcissist and codependent dynamic, Mm -hmm. both resort to manipulation and coercion to get their needs met, and a power struggle emerges. These power struggles can be overt, as in big fights, or they can be passive-aggressive and emotional. People in this dynamic often mistake drama for intimacy they feel close to a person after a power struggle um getting high off of this pull away and chase dynamic toxic relationships have to top the highs each time and then it becomes this self-validating cycle where you think oh we must be destined for each other if we made it through that we can make it through anything um yeah, I think I said that in a pretty convoluted way. Uh, no, but he, I, it, re-
1: it resonates.
0: Okay, good, good, good. So, and he says, if you have ever felt like you need to prove your worth to your partner, or that you're punishing your partner for something, you've been involved in a power struggle, and yeah. it, it can be really common. Um, and you know, of course, he's he's using some people chatting about their own ups and downs and crazy chaotic relationships to illustrate this. Mm-hmm. And he says, the only way to win a power struggle is to not be in one. Just don't play. Okay. Right. Well, it, it's easier said than done, especially if a dynamic is already established. But for example, in the woman in the affair and the guy who is is saying, you need to let me know what you're doing. You need to do this. Otherwise you're not a good person. She just says, don't treat me like that, and stops answering his email. And she's ejected herself from the power struggle. You know, so obviously, that's only one example. And it's, it's, it yeah. really depends on the context and your physical safety.
1: Also, again, it really, he really <clears throat> excuses himself from any kind of familial context, historical context, societal context yeah. of, you know, what happens and why people, uh, we play out. We play out what we were taught. So no, actually, he does. He does talk about that a lot, and parents,
0: and how um, the way we learn to be in relationships and where we learn that armor in the first place is all dependent on you know so how we were how, raised.
1: So does he give like actual steps on how to exit a power struggle? So he doesn't in
0: a universal sense, but he does. Give homework to this specific woman for how to exit hers and how and 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 how to put up boundaries and how to practice boundaries, but it is not like a universal advice. I think the the example is meant to highlight a universality. Um,
1: All right. One thing um, I love... Uh, yeah, you know yeah, how I feel about I, it. I, well,
0: yeah, and again, it it's it does feel like it's one of those books that. Um, looks good on the surface. And when you dive in a little bit deeper, you go, well, this doesn't apply to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but, but for people who just want like an overview of some general problems, this is going to be an interesting book for you. <laughs> it's going to lead them to therapy. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it is, which we'll actually get into in my critique in a minute. Um, I love what he says in this chapter about love stories and movies exemplifying toxic love. He says- yeah. He says, sorry to ruin Disney movies for you, but pretty much every love story in Hollywood actually promotes some broken, toxic form of love. Saving a princess? Fuck that. Let her save herself. And I was like, yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. But also, like, he the, he talks out of both sides of his mouth. He's like, I identify that culturally people do not have examples of how to set boundaries and how to exit a power struggle. And also just exit a power struggle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does give some examples, but it's not like a,
1: it's not crazy comprehensive, right? And right. then I also think he's just kind of treating them as if they exist in a vacuum and they don't. Yeah, they they don't. are at the they center don't. of a very complicated web yeah. and contextually, yeah. individually, which of course is problematic, but, you know, because you yeah. can't address individuals in any kind of book unless it was written for one person. But I do yeah. think that when you don't have education, expertise, mastery, clinical hours, practicing you, you, you talk in generalities and you make it sound simple.
0: Yeah. And he, you know, he puts a caveat at the front of the book where he's like, look boundaries are going to look different for every single person you know mm-hmm. boundaries are something that we all need but the way they are expressed interpreted set up learned it's going to be different for every individual so he does include some caveats but it doesn't it doesn't mean that we should necessarily let him off the hook yeah. you know having yeah. a deeper level of expertise so the one other thing a uh, concept that i really like that he highlighted for toxic relationships or for any relationship is this idea of chemistry versus compatibility. So, mm. so many people go, oh my God, I feel this incredible spark. Um, These feelings are so strong. It feels like we're being pulled towards each other. We're meant for each other. And chemistry is something that's intangible and it's there or it's not, right? It has Absolutely nothing to do with compatibility. That's compatibility right. is sharing the same values, belief systems, w- the way you want your life to look, the way you handle conflict. You know, it's all of the really important stuff that goes along with it. Now, people can ha- be compatible and have zero chemistry, and yeah. people can have chemistry off the fucking charts yeah. and not be compatible. And it's really An ideal relationship has both, and it's really important to separate the two and ask yourself, am I actually compatible with this person, or does this just feel like amazing chemistry? Yeah. Um, Just in case anybody needed to hear that today. So, And it's something that's really helped me in in my dating life is I've had to walk away from a few people, as you know, Lisa, recently— Somebody that I had crazy chemistry with, but was like, this is problematic and we're not compatible in XYZ. And it's so funny, that person believed that love was enough and that it should be enough to
1: conquer all. And it, and, and, that's, and that's
0: when I knew we were not compatible.
1: Because <laughs> I don't I think, think it was that. the moment they wrote that, that you were like,
0: ooh, bye-bye. I was like, and I'll just hammer this last nail in the coffin. Okay, <laughs> chapter four, choosing reality over fantasy. Mm-hmm. He says, the driving desire in a toxic relationship is to base our happiness on someone else. This is an impossible task. No one person can always make you feel loved. No one person can satisfy all of your wants and needs. No you one do, person. Misty. You know, you do
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad we're not compatible or have chemistry. <laughs> 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 Kidding, Honestly, everybody. Kidding. I, I listen, love Misty so much.
0: Honestly, if you were like, hey, I think we should like buy a house together and like build a, a nest egg together and like fan financial- I would be. So much less hesitant to do that with you <laughs>
1: than know. so I many know. other people in my life.
0: Look, that's the point is like you can you can have a deconstructed relationship, everybody. I'm just gonna throw out a term I heard recently. Thank Lisa you. Lisa and I can build a life together. I can get my sensual needs met elsewhere. Thank you. And then I can I can go out with my girlfriends for for humor because Lisa's not funny at all. So you you can get everything, everything met in a deconstructed way. Um, Hmm. So he says, no one person can always make you feel secure. This is reality. And it's a painful reality because it implies that we must take responsibility for ourselves. And responsibility is daunting. It's scary. If we fail or feel alone or are rejected, it means it's on us. Escaping this painful reality requires the invention of indulgences of fantasies. These fantasies invariably involve overestimating and worshiping love in some capacity. These fantasies are often romantic and flowery and full of supernatural-sounding cheesy bullshit like we were meant to be or fate brought us together. These fantasies about love are then used to justify the power struggles and drama of a toxic relationship. And the more dramatic and contentious the relationship, the more unhinged the fantasy. Fantasies become. For many people, before they are able to opt out of their power struggles, they must unwind the fantastical stories and false beliefs about love that they've bought into. We must destroy our fantasies, or at least the ones that are fucking up our actual lives. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he illustrates this with this story of this woman who compulsively fantasized about another woman that she had only met a few times while she was. In a relationship with someone else for three years, and and mm-hmm. it, it they they always came up to like escape trauma, et cetera, and she confronts it and realizes obviously the fantasy is not as good as you know as it was built up to be in her head. Um, but yeah, but it's this idea of like no, we're meant for each other. So even if we're not respecting each other or happy, like we must struggle through, you know. So so. Mm. I like that
1: he calls us out
0: on that because of this fantasy of like, we're meant to be together. Yeah. Right. So that was refreshing. So chapter five, vulnerability. He says that we invent power struggles and fantasies to protect ourselves from getting hurt. But in reality, all we're doing is fucking up our intimacy and making ourselves feel even more broken and alone vulnerability has a counterintuitive effect by removing our armor by facing the situation as it is we actually empower ourselves to connect better with others so he goes on to check in with some of the people we've met before and this is when him not being a qualified therapist shows through and became really problematic for me so i'm gonna highlight i'm gonna highlight two of his major failings here so he's been working with this woman and he gave her the homework assignment of finally being vulnerable and asking this guy who has just casually been in the background of her life for two years. Like they cuddle okay. sometimes, they cuddle sometimes, but they're fr- They're more than friends, but they're not. It's this ambiguous thing. Okay. So um, he tells her like, lay out what you want and actually have the conversation. What does he right. want? Right. So she... So she comes back to report on her homework that she had him over for dinner to try and have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But before she could, he somehow convinced her that they should go out to his friend's bar for a drink. Okay. As they were— Elisa, prepare
1: yourself. Oh,
0: I'm scared. As they were— I'm doodling a
1: cat to make myself feel better.
0: Oh, good. As they were out at this bar, when they were alone, this man put his hand around her neck. (gasps) <gasps> she brushed she brushed it off and she tried just out of nowhere she brushed it off and she tried to keep things playful but he did it again the next time they went out like she tried to be like hey what's up bud like if this is something you're into sexually like you can let me know we can have a conversation but this is not the way to bring it up right and he kind of like brushes it off so the next time they're out together again and she didn't get the chance to have the conversation yet. They're out with his friends, and his friends went to the bathroom, and he fucking did it again. And she was able to tell him to stop and that that was inappropriate, but he flipped out on her and started yelling at her and was like, what, you think I'm a predator? Which is not something she even said. So she's reporting this all but to Mark. Yes. yes. Yeah, but yeah. She's reporting this all to Mark, and she explains that the next day, she called the guy told him why it was awful for her and that she does not want to see him again. Like, why it was inappropriate, why it was awful, she doesn't want to see him again, da-da-da-da, right? Great boundary
1: setting. Great boundary setting. Great great boundary
0: setting. So here's where it gets really problematic. In her download conversation with Mark, she is sort of beating herself up for not being able to speak up sooner because it happened twice. And Mark tells her that he doesn't want a victim blame but that everybody women included need to have a no tolerance policy when it comes to this kind of behavior. Whoa, whoa, and she whoa. tells I know, I know. Hold on. And she tells him she knows she should have made a scene in the bar when he did it the second time. She should have flipped out and yelled, etc., but she tells Mark she she's always been afraid of coming off as a bitch. It's something she struggles with. And Mark casually throws out this this concept or this remark where he goes, well, you know, there's the unjustified bitch and then there's the justified bitch and you were totally justified. Yep. And I,
1: I fucking
0: hated uh, this uh,
1: because uh, Okay, wait, no, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I know you hated it. I'm going to deconstruct why. Yes. Yes. I just need to say that's what he focused on.
0: Well, sh- well he—no, no, no. Remember, this is a summary, and they have a larger conversation. But let me tell you two things I fucking hated about this. In either scenario, according to Mark, the woman is a bitch, right? There's the unjustified bitch, and then there's the justified bitch, right? And, and yep, I know, Lisa's doing the uh, friend's— what is that, the friend's
1: flick-off gesture? <laughs> it's, what, it's what Monica and Ross, could, when they couldn't cuss at each other, they, that's what they they like put their fists together, yeah. Um, and he does
0: not take into account at all any of the many layers that Gemma Hartley so beautifully laid out in her book, Fed Up, which we cover on a, another episode, about how women need to keep things calm in order to stay safe, right? So the first time this guy puts his his hand around her throat outside of a bar, if she had practiced a no-tolerance policy and flipped out on him, he could have been violent. You do not have the luxury and the privilege of reacting the way that you want to when you are a woman and someone can physically overpower you, right? So so I don't even think Mark has the language for this. And so I was listening to this this poor woman thinking that she could be leaving this phone call thinking, "Okay, I should have done better. Like it's my fault." And it felt woefully underinformed for this kind of emotional territory and by the way, she has a severe domestic violence incident in her past. So even care even even though he was trying to relate to her and use her language, she was like, "I'm afraid of being labeled as a bitch," and he goes, "Well, there's the unjustified bitch, and then there's the justified bitch," and it's like, I can see why he thought that was okay to include, and it is not okay. I to can't, include.
1: I can't even see why he thought that was okay to include. This is why people huh. who don't I, this is this is my problem with coaches and life's and relationship yeah. coaches, yeah. people who are like, uh, uh career coaches or mm-hmm. like. Lifestyle coaches, fine. Yeah. But yeah. I, and, and typically they know when they're out of their depth. But yeah. people who give relationship advice when it has to deal with emotional and physical abuse in the past, if you don't have the kind of credentials, including your own experience, even if you have your own experience with domestic yeah. violence, it doesn't yeah. make you qualified to give someone else advice because you could say something like that that is so. Could be Under- so triggering.
0: It's underinformed. It can leave a person reeling. And it's not, you don't have a holistic framework. And it's interesting because before we'd read one million self-help books, I didn't have language for this either. And probably would have thought this was a fine chapter, right? But now that I have this and I have more pieces and layers, I'm going like this is really
1: insufficient. I feel like he just made there. my forehead creases bigger. It's um, true. They're deeper. They're well, deeper. hold on. Let me
0: I want to share one other story. If from he doesn't this make chapter. a caveat
1: about that saying what he said about that. There's no caveat about that.
0: Uh at the end of the book, he addresses some of the things which I'll bring up, some of the things okay. that he shares here, uh, but it felt too little too late to me. Yeah. So let me tell you how he felt a man in this chapter as well. So in the same chapter, that same man in his 50s who is seeing the new woman after two divorces. Jerry. Is Jerry, uh, who is such a, we're supposed to have our compassionate hats on, but oh, I'll, you know what, I'll get to that in my critique at the end of the book. Okay. Um so Jerry is explaining that he his sex drive with his new partner has plummeted, like he's not interested. He's totally lost it, and he asks Mark if what's
1: that? What was that? His penis went down.
0: Oh, Lisa took her pen and showed her it was deflating. <sighs> um, so he straight up, I get up it, asked Jerry. Mark, I get it. He, he asks Mark. Uh, If this might have something to do with the intense stress he's been experiencing about work. And Mark's response is something to the effect of, well, yeah, if you're coming home and you're exhausted and you don't have the energy, then yeah, your sex drive can be affected. And while that, here's my response, while that might be a small part of it, we know from Emily Nagoski's gorgeous book, Come As You Are, that Mm -hmm. everyone has a sex drive with both gas and brakes. And it's called the Mm -hmm. dual control model of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, And this guy's brakes are clearly being hit. It's not just that he doesn't have the energy and is exhausted after a long way. It's a mental break. A block that is getting in the way of him enjoying a successu- a sexually fulfilling life.
1: A, oh, sexually a success- successful, a No, it's
0: it successful sexual a successual life. Successful okay. um, success. A sexual. A successful success. Yeah, and I don't think Mark has ever even heard of the dual control model of sexuality. (laughs) Like, it was clear, and it was really hard to listen to because, again, an opportunity was missed to give that man a more holistic understanding of what was happening mentally and physically for him and Mm -hmm. how he could maybe create an environment or context to get his sex drive back. So instead, it felt like it was— Instead, it was—it felt like it was brushed off as like, yeah, nothing to worry about. It'll go away. But as we know from Emily Nagoski, it's much deeper than that. Yeah. So this is why you have to be so careful about who you let guide your mental health journey. You really do. And if you leave a, a session feeling like I didn't really make the progress I wanted to, like that might be why. So we're almost done. Good. Chapter six, the courage to be loved. The takeaway from this chapter is basically that you need to let down your armor, practice trust and let your guard down. Often that is what we want the most, but it involves giving other people the power to hurt you. So you mm-hmm. have to practice trusting. And again, it I don't really know how how to learn how to how to recognize when it is safe for me to do that you know like you really have to be careful about who you trust and let your guard
1: down in front of yeah but misty let your armor down because pain is a self fulfilling prophecy but set boundaries
0: <laughs> he also says that uh the truth is that successful marriages are boring which i thought was funny so here we go <laughs> <laughs> The very last chapter, Simple but Difficult, Chapter Seven. So, this is where he sums up that all the things we need to do to have truly successful relationships are simple but difficult. Like setting boundaries, saying no, and expressing what you really want to a partner all sounds very simple, but they're all more difficult in practice than they seem. We don't want to disappoint anyone. We don't want to say no to someone that we are afraid to say no to. And we are afraid to expose ourselves to risk. And he really hammers home the point that you have to develop the ability to be healthy and happy alone. He says it's cliched advice, but it's cliche for a reason. Until you can respect and love yourself by yourself, you'll never be able to have that kind of respect and love in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So he he ends the book by saying that love is the easy part. We can potentially fall in love with a thousand people and be loved by a thousand more. It comes and goes. He says, self-respect, trust, and honesty are the necessary components of intimacy, the hard skills that must be honed over time, especially if they weren't present when you grew up. Because while love is great, love is beautiful, and love is joyous, love is not enough. So that is Love is Not Enough by Mark Manson. If you want to hear more, you can download the book on Audible only or head to markmanson.net.
1: Great job, Misty. Great Thank job. Thank you so much. Let's, I have a lot of answers to questions you're about I to know, ask. I know, because we're about to go into our, um, I feel like we're James K-N-A. Lipton, RIP. Uh, what is oh. your favorite word? Um, Did you see Bradley Cooper episode of, of <laughs> is that called The Actor's Studio? Oh, it was it so is. good. Well, he studied there, so he he um, He can't stop crying. It's I know wonderful. it's amazing. Um, okay. Uh, Misty, what is your yeah. favorite word? Just kidding. Um, did this <laughs> book need to be written? No. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't it written. It was just spoken.
0: It it did not need to be written because I think people tackle this concept of love is not enough in a, in a bunch of other ways and yeah. in more qualified ways. Great. I really don't think it needed to be written. Oh, I'm oh, already the other the, yep. the other thing is his blog about it. His 10 it took me <laughs> 10 minutes to read his blog was more potent than the whole book. I walked away <laughs> feeling like more actionable takeaways than the whole book. Yeah, I don't know so it. it didn't.
1: His blog needed to be written and that was it. um we've already talked a lot about what he got wrong. Oh no what, no no. Do you-
0: no, I have we want to talk all. more. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, but it's
1: okay. It's okay.
0: Um, let me let me just go from the top so I don't lose my place. Is that okay?
1: I would love so, for you to tell me what did the author get wrong.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, first, I'm going to answer this is this practical or woo woo, and I would say this is both because it deals mm-hmm. with more philosophical things Mm -hmm. like feeling in love love at first sight fantasy self-perception and while the people he coaches all have varying levels of progress with the things they're Mm -hmm. dealing with the steps he outlines are not exactly cut and dry with how to follow them and he actually you know he says this at the end of the book that a lot of them these concepts are simple yet difficult um uh but it's not—it's not super actionable, right? So mm-hmm.
1: let, let me tell you what I put into practice from this book and how okay. it affected me. Did you just as a quick question? Was there anything he got right? Yeah.
0: I'm just going down. I like f- I wrote paragraphs after each of these questions. I'm just gonna sit back and shut up. You tell me what you're, no, you you're doing. No, you're doing amazing. And I combine some of the questions. By the way, Got everyone, it. if you're listening for the first time, normally Lisa asks me questions and I answer like a fucking normal person. <laughs> but this time I feel really strongly and I wrote all my thoughts down. So um so I have been practicing a ton of this stuff as I've started okay. dating in the okay. 10 months. Since my long term relationship ended. So, um, for those of you <clears throat> who uh, sort of drop in sporadically, not our long time loyal listeners, uh, I was in a relationship. Uh, for the better part of a decade. And it ended in May of last year. And um, as I've started dating and seeing new people, I've examined my standards. I've tried to parse out what fundamental values are most important to me and a potential next partner. And I've learned to set boundaries like crazy. And it was really scary at first, but now I'm like Lisa Linkey and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Thanks. Bye. Um, and when those when those boundaries haven't been respected or someone I'm seeing has started to act in like a toxic or a chaotic way, I just cut it off and I'm really comfortable doing that now but it took practice mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you know it is so've I've really adhered strictly to my own self-respect and I feel like that saved me a lot of time wasted with the wrong people and uh, I will say this the most difficult thing that I've found in all of this is ending something with someone that I have amazing chemistry with when there are parts of the dynamic that are problematic. Um, So like I sort of mentioned earlier in the episode, I ended something with someone that I had crazy chemistry with recently. And it was absolutely the right thing to do but I really missed him and was sad for weeks after, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so hard to separate the feelings of connection from actual compatibility, but I feel like in practicing that and always being aware of that, I'm much better off. So I, I did really like that part of the book and what he had to say and found it to be very true. So I'm gonna answer what I loved and hated about the book questions at the same time. So he simultaneously says things I agree with and resonate as true, and things that feel wildly underinformed, as we've already covered. Um, I also have some problems with the way the experiment was set up. So the work uh, o- only includes about half of the stories of the people he worked with, and I feel like in a setting where there is a famous author, you're checking in with, you want to please them. So it mm. sounds like people are being pretty forthcoming in the conversations, but. It did make me wonder, are any of them painting their experiences with rose-colored glasses to sort of sound good in their check-ins? Or are they making big strides because they know they're going to end up in an audiobook? Like, I wonder how effective this type of coaching would be if it was just a normal setting with a nobody life coach, you know, without people feeling this pressure to really make progress. Um, something I really liked about the book at the beginning is that he asked us all to put our compassionate hats on and remember that the people who have agreed to work with him are being vulnerable and radically honest and we shouldn't judge them but i've got to tell you the two men he included in the book have views of women that are wildly reductive they feel antiquated and they do not feel at all representative of the kinds of men's men that I know or mm-hmm. have in my life. And I would have loved to hear from a man who didn't dismiss his exes as crazy or state that they openly vote for Trump or who had more emotional intelligence and were dealing with something more complex, mm-hmm. you know, like it, 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 we're not supposed to judge them, but they really felt like mediocre white males. And I cannot see the color of their skin from this audio book. But it really... Lisa, excuse you. But it really mm-hmm. felt... Mah! Your farts sound like a car horn. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, they're out on the street. Yeah, but it's like, where, where are the the kind, emotionally intelligent men who are dealing with a deeper layer of a relationship versus just a guy who's like, my fucking crazy ex-wife won't
1: stop calling me. And he's like, set boundaries. Maybe they're too smart to go to Mark Manson.
0: Maybe. At the end of the audiobook, so he does correct some of those problematic things that I had issues with before, like, call, uh, like calling someone a bitch for setting boundaries or rather referring to someone who sets boundaries as a bitch and he 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 says to that person like you're not a bitch like she learned that she's not a bitch she's a badass right versus that justified bitch unjustified bitch thing that sounds and like and an editor he, saying
1: you have to do it.
0: Right. Well, he also stops throughout the book to be like, I can't believe I have to say this, and I hope it goes without saying, but it is never okay to touch someone or do anything to anyone else's body without their explicit permission. Don't grab someone by the neck. You know, he does include some of that stuff. Um, But, you know, and then one of his subjects, one of his female subjects is like, yeah, women have been killed for less than saying no. And so that was helpful to hear, but she brought it up and he agreed with her. You know, it just felt like it should have been brought up at the time and it was irresponsible to only bring up at the end of the book. I agree. So, I, to the question, what did you love about this book? If anything, I said, the sound design question <laughs> mark.
1: Sam will love to hear that.
0: <laughs> I actually, because there's like music throughout to keep it moving. I actually enjoyed his blog post on his website about the book more than I did the book at the whole. And... This book is perfect for someone who is hesitant to try therapy for the first time and wants a therapy-light preview into what that process might look like. So if you're skittish and you don't know what that might feel like and it's easier for you to feel like there's a best friend at a bar shaking your shoulders saying, get your shit together, then I could see anyone like that uh, being more open to the prospect after they listen to this book because he does keep it conversational and mostly lighthearted uh and there's mark shares several anecdotes anecdotes of his own life so if you're a big mark manson fan it is ready for you and uh ask me about your homework
1: do i have homework
0: no girl just keep setting those boundaries
1: thank you that's it it, you guys i'm done misty great job with that, we're going to keep it under an hour because we love everybody and say thank you so much oh. for your patience with our audio. And by um, the
0: way, guys, let let us know what you thought of this episode. Um, We're Go Help Yourself podcast at gmail.com. And we are at GoHelpYourselfPodcast Go on Instagram and at GHY podcast on Twitter. And like, if anybody else has listened to this or listening along, like, let me know what you think. Let's have a conversation about it.
1: Everybody, life is... Life
0: is abundant. abundant. Bye. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing.
1: <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at ghypodcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast,
0: please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends?
1: Bye!